scriptures from John 10, 22 22 through 30. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said unto him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly, Jesus. And then Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe. Because you do not belong to my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else. And no one can snatch it out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the word of our Lord. Well, things mothers say that always need to be said are, and I'm just giving you a few, did you brush your teeth? That's a good thing for a mom to say, right? Um, And usually the answer is what? No, no. Uh, even though they may say yes. And Jenny would say to our kids um, when they were younger, although it may still work, I don't know, uh, stick out your tongue, and if it's green, I know you're lying. And so the tongue would come out, and of course she would declare it green, and they would go back and brush their teeth. Or how about this one? Don't ever let me catch you doing that again. Right? How many of us have heard that before? Okay. Um, Going to a party? Who's going to be there? How about that one? Okay, that's a good question. And you may not like the answer. Here's one that I heard from my mother uh, several times when I was in college. If it's not supposed to be green, don't eat it. Right? You tend to lose that, learn that lesson the hard way. How about another one? You will always be my baby. You like that one? Oh, okay. Maybe I should have saved that one for Mother's Day. And then there's one that is uh, to the point where moms are tired of dealing with it and will say, go ask your father about that one. Well, there is another one that must be remembered, and it's one that uh, I hear in my head quite a bit from my own mother. Uh, Your actions speak louder than your words. Isn't that true? Isn't that one worth remembering? Your actions speak louder than your words. What we hear today in John's gospel is that Jesus' actions spoke louder than his words, especially about being the good shepherd. Today, by the way, is Good Shepherd Sunday. It is a time for us to read that very familiar and comforting psalm that we never get tired of, do we? I have never met anyone that was tired of Psalm 23. In fact, pretty much at every funeral that I have done, uh, this is requested by the family. Even if the family doesn't know anything about the Bible or know where anything is in the Bible, they will say, I would like for the 23rd Psalm to be read. And it speaks to us, doesn't it? It reminds us that we have a shepherd. And so Jesus demonstrated this with his actions. 
He said and demonstrated that he and the Father were one. That's a significant statement, isn't it? Jesus would get in a lot of trouble for saying such things. And he would continue to draw attention to the fact that he was at one with God the Father. So that when people saw him or saw his actions, and that's really what John is getting at here. It's not just about what he says, it's his actions. That when he uh, was seen by them, then they were seeing what God was like. That Jesus was the representation of God in the world. And at this point, again, he gets in a lot of trouble. Don't you like it that Jesus got in trouble? On Wednesday nights, we are studying. We're going through uh, the historic Jesus. It's the challenge of Jesus by N.T. Wright. And it has created a lot of, of wonderful discussion as we have taken a look at what it was like for Jesus to grow up and what his cultural context would have been, what his surroundings would have been like. And so when we hear Jesus make comments like these, then we have a more full understanding of what that was all about. And so as Jesus was making these comments, the religious leaders were coming to him, and they were questioning him. And uh, this was really out of the sense that uh, they were jealous about all these people following after Jesus, that he had this flock that was going along with him. And his flock was witnessing the fact that Jesus was Messiah. This was the one they had looked for. This is the one that they had longed for, that their parents, their grandparents, and you know, going all the way back, they had been looking for someone to come and lead them. Some viewed that as a political thing. Well, most did that Jesus would help them conquer, that, or that the Messiah would be a, uh, a warrior leader and would come and overthrow the Roman government or whatever oppressive force that was coming against them. And so they looked to Jesus as being that. And Jesus demonstrated with his words and his actions that he was God's son through his identification with them through his sacrificial care and his provision of eternal life. These words of Jesus invite us today on this Good Shepherd Sunday to consider how good a shepherd Jesus is. We probably don't think about this much. I've mentioned before, on my, and I saw it not long ago, uh, my childhood Bible on the front cover is this uh, picture of Jesus with a lamb wrapped around his, his shoulders, much like this one, except it was a more white Jesus with blue eyes. I grew up thinking Jesus was Dutch and uh, found out later that he was Middle Eastern. But um, this one gets a little bit closer to probably the tone of his skin, although probably darker. Um, and Jesus is seen in this way by us. We... we see it, but we don't always think about it, right? We don't have, at least I don't think we have any sheep. I'd like to have some, uh, but the city won't allow it. But you may know something about sheep, but they knew everything about sheep. This was a a staple of their uh, 
their society. This was something uh, that they would have known all about. And Jesus is describing himself as a shepherd to the sheep. And so these words invite us to consider how good a shepherd he is. And our text here for today has put us back before the events of Easter. We went last week from the end of John. Now we're in the 10th chapter of John. And you may think, why did we go back? I thought we were, we were in Easter. We were uh, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Shouldn't we be reading something that relates to that? Well, this does relate to that. And as we hear these words that Jesus gives, we come upon this conversation that Jesus had with the religious leaders that was just a part of a larger one or an ongoing conversation that we see. And if you have your Bible, uh, look there and uh, turn to John chapter 9. We just heard from John 10, but look in John chapter 9, because this is the account of Jesus healing a man who has been born blind, or he's been uh, blind from birth. And it's this long, very interesting text where Jesus goes and, and heals him and just stirs up all kinds of controversy. Again, Jesus seems to do this wherever he goes. And it wasn't a controversy with the man that was healed. I mean, he was excited. And this is where we know of that phrase, I once was lost, but now I see. Or, I, you know, look, I don't know much about him, but one thing I can tell you, I was blind, but now I see. And so he was able to see. And the religious elite, the religious leaders were very upset about this because Jesus was getting all of this favor and was doing incredible things that they could not do. And so they go and they question them. Jesus shows the power that he has as Messiah and as he has as a good shepherd. And so the people are very upset about all of this. And so they question the religious, I mean, the uh, formerly blind man's parents. Was he really bl uh, blind when he was born? Can you prove it? I mean, can you imagine this? Your child has just been healed, just been given sight, and you're there giving the third degree about what actually might have happened. And then the formerly blind man himself is questioned. They go to him and ask him questions. Who is this guy? I mean, were you really blind? And what really happened here? Is this just a trick? Is this a scheme to try to get Jesus uh, to be identified as being Messiah? And then they took their questions to Jesus. And they began to attack him for these kinds of things. Well, their hope was to get him on record saying that he was the Messiah. So they asked him, just go ahead and tell us, Jesus, are you really Messiah? I mean, let's not play around anymore. Just go ahead and tell us. And Jesus is always dancing in and out of these kinds of games with the Pharisees. I think he loved not only stirring things up with them, but the way that he would respond to them in such a creative way. I think he just loved doing this. So Jesus answered their questions by saying, the works that I do in my Father's name, 
testify to me. All these things like healing that guy, they testify and they answer the question that you're, you're asking. In other words, I will let my actions speak for themselves. He noted that they had seen his actions and refused to believe that he was from God and doing God's work. So he talks about the flock that is following him. And you don't believe, you're not in the flock, you're not willing to come and to follow the things that I'm doing. He also told them that his followers, these sheep, had also seen his actions, but did believe him. He was for them and anyone else who wanted to be in his flock a good shepherd. And by the way, he says there are a whole lot of other sheep out there that, um, that God wants to be involved that God wants to include everybody into this flock. So why don't you come and follow? Why don't you come and be a part of it and experience the love and the kingdom of God? They knew this, that he was the good shepherd because they knew his voice. Jesus talks about them recognizing his voice. And of course, the imagery is of a shepherd going out and calling the sheep up. There are a whole bunch of uh, cattle out near uh, where we have a, a family farm. And uh, if I just drive up and uh, just whistle or honk the horn, those, uh, that whole herd will just come running. They, they think it's feeding time. And so they will come, and uh, it's just amazing, that mentality. Once one of them hears, then the others come. And, uh, of course, I'm not there to feed them. I'm just, you know, stopping by to say hello. And so you see him running across the pasture, like he's here to feed us. And uh, this is uh, the mentality of, uh, of the sheep. As they hear the voice, then they identify that with someone who cares for them. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. And so if a thief comes into the sheep pen, and Jesus comments on this in this chapter as well, that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And so Jesus says they're not going to follow the wrong shepherd. They know the good shepherd. They know my voice. And they knew he was a shepherd who identified with his sheep. He got to know them on their level and building a relationship of proximity with them to develop this trust. They knew he was a shepherd who cared, even willing to lay down his life for them. So this is a shepherd that was willing to do whatever it took to show care for them. And they knew he was good and that he provided them eternal life, the kind that made life full, a life that was for them right then in the midst of whatever circumstances. It was not about some day, or it was not just about some day far ahead in the future and the great beyond. It was what God had for them right in that moment. Well, we really aren't much different than the people who are around Jesus when he spoke. We might think that we are much better, that we have much more knowledge and, and you know, our lives are better and all of this, but we're really not much different, are we? I mean, we really are sheep, and that's the way that we live. 
And we, sheep, we as sheep still need a good shepherd. In this day when so many people are turning from religion to have none at all. And by the way, the uh, researchers uh, conclude that this is the nuns group. So if you hear the nuns, it's not talking about uh, N-U-N-S. It's the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, who have no religion. On any survey they fill out, Uh, where it says, what is your religion? They check none. And this is becoming uh, an increasing uh, issue with pollsters. They're they're seeing that this number is going up more and more, especially in the millennial generation, are refusing to have anything to do at all with religion. And so it is crucial, and there is a crucial need for the church to offer an authentic version of Jesus. I don't think that people are rejecting Jesus when they check that box. Not at all. They're rejecting the religion uh, or religions that put out a a very uh, wrong and incorrect version of Jesus. And that's why it's important for us to understand who Jesus was and who Jesus is today. And so we need to present them with this authentic version. And the place uh, where we begin with that is with the words of Jesus. We are to hear the words of Jesus as expressed in John's gospel, but we're also to see his words in action. Jesus, for example, is a good shepherd to us because he identifies with us as sheep. Isn't that what the incarnation of God in our world was all about? With Jesus Uh, coming to us, it was God getting up close and personal with us. Think about it. Jesus enters into our context as, as humankind. God comes to us in human flesh. And so Jesus led his flock from the ground level perspective of one who experienced suffering, injustice, rejection. I mean, think about it. Jesus experienced loneliness all the time throughout his life. We see it, especially when Jesus launches out in his ministry in the uh, 40 days as he's out in the wilderness. He's alone. He's being tempted. He's going through all of these challenges. And we see, as we see people who have painted what this was like, Jesus just out there forlorn and on his own. Jesus would continue to experience loneliness, and we see that all the way as he's hanging on the cross. Even those surrounded by others hanging on crosses, Jesus is feeling alone. But also Jesus has experienced homelessness. Jesus would say, you know, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus experienced poverty. Born into absolute poverty. As we've looked at in our Wednesday night group, Jesus was at the lowest of the rung in his society. His family and the people who lived in his community had nothing. And this is what Jesus would understand about his life and it would be contrasted with what he would see with all of the riches and things in the communities around him, especially in Sephora's as he would see the great wealth and even possibly have helped 
build some of the houses of all those rich people. And Jesus identified with the poor, but also he understood what temptation was like. He could identify. He also understood grief. The shortest verse, and the other day, Thursday, we were giving out those baseball caps to the, uh, the chapel was full of people uh, for the meal. And I, I was saying, hey, tell me a scripture verse and I'll give you a hat. I don't know how many people said, Jesus wept. So that's a good one. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. Uh, and it counts. But it tells us that Jesus did grieve. And he could relate to us in so many other ways. The bottom line is Jesus knows what it is like to be us. Jesus is also good in that he cares for us. We are sheep who have gone astray and plenty of times and can do so again. We can easily get distracted by the promises of people who claim to care for us or by the smell of greener grass in another pasture. This is what happens to sheep. We, we as sheep are pretty stupid, aren't we? We're always looking for something better. And so sheep will wander off. They'll smell grass that's over here and they'll do whatever it takes to get over to that pasture. And then they smell grass in another pasture. And before long, they are so lost and distracted that they're in danger. And we are that way as well. Or we can identify with sheep who are headed down a dangerous pathway. Jesus is aware of the dangers that we face and has shown how much he cares, us, cares for us and that he would lay down his life for us. I love the part of Psalm 23 where the psalmist recognizes he has no reason to fear. I have uh, prayed that prayer uh, or this psalm with many a hospice patient uh, as they realized that their death was coming. And it seems like everybody that was in that case, when I was a chaplain, um, they, they were able to um, meet death with a sense of peace. I just, I can't even think of one who was in turmoil. Uh, it was a, a way that God would prepare them. And it seems like most everyone would talk about, I, I'm not afraid. And I think the uh, words of this psalm speak to that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. I have no reason to fear at all. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It le you, you lead me with your rod and your staff to a better place. And even that God sets up a dinner table. Have you ever thought about that here? He says, you have prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So here is this banqueting table right there and all of his enemies are surrounding it and God is serving him in the midst of those enemies. He has no reason to fear even though he sees them. He is able to feast on the goodness of God, realizing that surely the goodness of God will continue with him then and for all of the days from then on. Isn't that nice? What a great shepherd. And this is the kind of shepherd God has given to us in Jesus. Part of his care is his provision. Jesus directs us away from the pathway leading to our destruction, and he leads us to a better place, to a real life. And the real life is what we find Jesus living, and one he calls and even enables us to live 
as the reality of his resurrection. And that's where we come back to Easter. It is the kind of life that is characterized by a close union with God. So close that our actions show that we are at one with God. Do people realize that about you when they're around you? I'm afraid that so many times our words and actions don't go together. And no one would conclude that, wow, he's really at one with God. Or she is really at one with God. I can't even tell a difference. You may think that's what people say. But we realize that we struggle in this area. When we are truly at one with God, then we are at one with God's concerns. And particularly God's concerns for this world. Our works will speak more loudly than our words as we do the acts of our Good Shepherd. Self-sacrifice. Care for the needs of others. And protection for those who are marginalized and vulnerable. This is the kind of shepherd that Jesus was. As we go out into this new week, may the words that we sang earlier go with us. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse, and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to Thee. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to Thee. Let's pray.